Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of After Work Drinks With. We are so happy to have you joining us. This week, we are talking to Liz Goldwyn. Liz is a member of Hollywood royalty. Her grandfather, Samuel Goldwyn, is one of the most iconic film producers ever. And her father, Samuel Goldwyn Jr., is also one of the most iconic Hollywood producers ever. Almost everyone in Liz's family basically works in the film industry in some capacity. So the career that she's taken for herself is kind of especially fascinating through that lens. And that career is quite hard to pin down and define. Liz has directed documentaries and short films. She's contributed as a writer for places like Vanity Fair and the New York Times. She served as the New York editor of French Vogue for a few years. She's worked collaboratively as an artist with brands like Mac. She curated a documentary program for LACMA. She's worked as a curator at Sotheby's. She worked at Planned Parenthood. She's amused to designers like Zach Posen. So she's just kind of done a little bit of everything. But the thing that we are most excited to talk to her about is her platform, The Sex Ed. So The Sex Ed is a website and podcast that launched in 2008 that Liz created as a kind of place for people to explore sex, consciousness, mental health, and general health in a place without shame. So she explores everything from the effects of cannabis on sexual enjoyment, how meditation can lead to better orgasms, what us vanilla heterosexuals can learn from the kink community, celibacy, she touches on everything. Her podcast also features really amazing interviews with artists like David Lynch and Natasha Leone, and I have recommended them multiple times in the podcast. She was more than happy to field our many questions, including is watching porn unfeminist? What is the line between empowerment and exploitation? off the back of the Emily Ratajkowski essay and how to manifest good sex. So it's a fantastic conversation and we are so excited for you to listen to it. And if you loved it, which you will, please rate, review and subscribe and we will see you on Monday. Yeah, how are you? I see you've got your... You've got your wine? What time is it there? <laughs> it's 7 in the morning. No, it's um, 6 p.m. <laughs> We're legally allowed. I've got like, my matcha and uh, some water, so nice. I'm on the opposite. That's very L.A. of you. Izzy was in L.A. up until a few days ago. Yeah. 
I was in LA drinking, um, what was I having? Yeah, matcha and orange wine, seltzers. No cannabis? Yes, some cannabis, <laughs> <laughs> some mushrooms. <laughs> it was all good. I'm, I'm a cannabis person myself. Where are you now? Uh, we're both in London. That's where I want to be. What's the what's the vibe? What's what's the COVID vibe there? The COVID vibe is good. It's, <laughs> it's, it's very yeah. chill compared to LA. So like, kind of similar in terms of what you can do. Except in London, you're allowed to eat inside, and no one has masks on anywhere apart from at the supermarket which is so weird because in LA Grace they're wearing masks everywhere yeah they're very chill here and it's really sunny we've had like a whole bunch of like 20 uh like I don't know what it is in Fahrenheit but like 90 degree days it's been really really nice the proper London experience it's all so strange right because I mean probably I would feel super freaked out going to a place where no one wears masks because I'm sure there's going to be an outbreak. That's how I felt coming from LA. Like I can't, I went into a restaurant and sat inside and then the waitress didn't even have a mask on and she was speaking to me like this. And I was yeah. like, oh my God, I was like, get your germs away from me. This is crazy. They're much too blase. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, but between the fires and the smoke and our political situation here, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I grew up, um, part of the time in London and, you know, I spent a lot of time there and work a lot there. And I just feel like I'm probably going to be there by November, most likely. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the good thing about California is it's such a little Island, but still you can't deal with that leadership for another four years. Yeah. And this, pan- it's been tough. You know, this pandemic has been tough because like uh, the, I'm going to sound super LA right now, but the, vi- the vibes here are real heavy. Um, Los Angeles doesn't have a sense of community. You know, we're a city where like things are spread out and you have to drive to get anywhere. So you don't have that kind of situation like in New York or in Europe where you're walking around and seeing people. Um, so it's and the disparity the economic disparity here is so great and that's just obviously like becoming greater with everything that's going on so yeah i'm uh i'm asking i'm talking to my friends in london every day like okay so what's happening do you feel safe like should i come yeah it's just it's just one thing that i found obviously you would know because you've been here a lot but like one thing i found so shocking that I thought I would be fine within London is the weather and I was like it's just weather it's okay and then in winter it's like oh my god it's just so so depressing yeah um okay so your grandfather was one of the most prominent film producers in Hollywood history just casually um and your family all work in the film industry can you just talk a little bit about what it was like growing up in that kind of environment Um, and whether it gave you kind of a unique perspective on the whole idea of celebrity and our culture's obsession with it. Yeah, so actually that is probably the biggest problem I have with Los Angeles and with like Hollywood is, and I feel like, you know, generationally I'm partly responsible for it, right? Because my grandfather did make the first movie in in Hollywood in 1916 called The Squaw Man with his partner Cecil B. DeMille and Jesse Lasky. Um, is this obsession with celebrity and it is this obsession with the individual and like praying to this cult of like, who's the richest, the most famous, the most beautiful. I think um, 
I think we're in a real paradigm shifting time where we have to completely obliterate that because clearly look at where it's gotten us as a culture and we're gotten so far away from a focus on humanity and community. And, um, yeah, I think I think our celebrities or our idols need to be really, really examined right now, um, because is, does that create true happiness? Does that create, if we're talking about sex, for example, with what my why I study, does that create? Do you think that the person who's the richest, the most famous, the has the best plastic surgery, whatever, is having the best sex? Like, do you feel like that's what leads to true transcendent and great orgasms? Or do you real, or do you feel that that's coming from a place of having really good self-esteem and self-love? Um, so yeah, I think it's an, it, I've had that perspective of being like born into a situation where I'm, I'm looking at things from that space, but I'm also a woman. Um, and most of the people in my family, I have four brothers and, you know, I grew up in a boys club. So it's like looking at a space that I never felt like I belonged to, really. You know, that other people would tell me, well, you belong to that and you're of this and you have all these opportunities. And I'm like, mm, not really. Not really because, like, when I made my first film, a documentary on burlesque called Pretty Things, I cut it at Paramount on the lot. And I was the first director, female director there in nine years at the time. And they referred to other women, other female directors prior to me as bitches or dykes. So this is the kind of situation I grew up in. And, you know, I love my family. I really do love my family, but the system that, so I guess I'm in a unique position because I understand the, the system, but at the same time, I want to fucking tear it down and build something that is more equitable and more inclusive. And so that's put me in sort of a weird like situation. You know, my father used to always say from the time I was a kid, don't shit where you eat. Cause I was like this from a young age, like, well, why are we talking about this at the dinner table? And why do we celebrate these people? So that's, I guess my perspective. That's my perspective on celebrity. No, it's amazing. Yeah. And we wanted to ask like coming from a family, like that how it, it warps your understanding of success because i think what success to many people is is many of the things that your family's achieved whereas if you grew up in a household where that was the norm i wonder if your ideas of success are skewed to be different or, or rebelling against what you're seeing in your house well i recently um read the authorized biography of my grandfather written by scott berg um called goldwin it came out when i was a kid and i was like not interested, you know, in this, I was just not interested unless it had like real scandal. And I recently read it and it was really enlightening because, you know, he left the Warsaw ghetto in Poland when he was like 13 years old, real extreme poverty. I mean, so his story is the like American dream story of true rags to riches. You know, he walked across British Columbia with nothing you know, was a glove maker and there was no movie business. Remember when he started, this was like, and he was a glove maker. Like he didn't know anything about entertainment at all. Um, so it was an interesting perspective to see like what he created and put myself in that, in that mind of like, okay, he was taking risks. He was starting a new system that didn't exist. So now here I am like, 120 plus years later kind of 
channeling that, that part of him. In terms of success, I think that's a really interesting question and one that we should all ask ourselves like at different points in our lives. I had a real life-changing accident in 2017 where I had an accident on my leg. I had to get emergency surgery to save, to save my leg. I had a metal rod put in my leg. I was in the hospital for like a couple weeks and had to learn to walk again. So about four, four and a half months, I was in a wheelchair and I really had this come to Jesus moment where I was like, what is success to me? What does it mean for me to feel validated? And I had bought the domain names for the sex ed in 2008 and had written this whole business plan, every sort of everything I'm doing now and that's yet to come. I wrote it then. And I thought, I'm going to do that when I'm in my 60s. I'm going to do this when I'm in my 60s after I've achieved success. Then I was like, what is the success I'm trying to achieve? You know, and it was coming from a place I realized of trying to prove something to the men in my family. And in my family, trying to prove something to the men would literally be me having to win like 10 Academy Awards, you know, (laughs) and a Pulitzer and whatever, just to be considered equal. Right. And I was like, but I don't care. I don't want to win an Academy Award. Like, that's not really like that doesn't make me feel validated. What makes me feel validated is that my previous two books are taught in universities and museums and that, um, you know, I'm people around the world ask me questions that make them maybe feel a little bit better about themselves. So why am I like, why am I pursuing this version of success that doesn't really fully resonate with what I feel in my heart? Does that make sense? And that was like very eye-opening to me to realize that I was measuring success against something that was like meant something to other people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and, and that again ties into celebrity and ties into where we're at. Like if, well, if I have, you know, a 10 million followers and, and all these, then that must mean I'm really a worthy person and worthy of love. And we're, you know what I mean? Like we're, we're not even like looking within and, and really asking ourselves these questions. We're like just immediately pursuing these paths that are based on what? So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's so interesting. I feel like it's a constant grapple between figuring out what it is that you really want and what it is that you think you should be wanting. And then even unpicking all that, like, yeah, with, with our careers now as journalists, I'm like, I can't even decide if that's what I want to be doing or if it's what I think I should be doing. And yeah, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about sex. You started the sex ed because you said that uh, there were countless times you wished you had a place to answer questions that you felt kind of too embarrassed to talk to your friends about. Um, why is it that you think that women are still so afraid to talk about sex with each other? And how do you think we can work towards getting rid of that shame? So if you think back to like the first times that you learned about sex, um, let's think about who teaches us these things. They never had an education. They never had these like, like na- like internal discussions with themselves about like, is the system actually correct? Or is the things that we're learning correct? Um, you know, so yeah. and if you're Catholic, they never had sex. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So how do we learn about it? We learn about it from our religious upbringing, whatever that may be. We learn about it from our parents. We learn about it from our culture. So we're learning about it from all these places that are not, um, you know, that don't truly have like a fundamental 
and realistic and holistic understanding around sex. So we're learning. So we're basically now, by the time that we reach an age where we're ready to start having sex, we actually have a lot of unlearning to do. And for most people, that unlearning either never happens or it happens like way later in life when they're like, fuck, I've never had an orgasm or I rarely have an orgasm or I've never masturbated or I never knew it was okay to masturbate. So like, again, it's a situation where I feel like let's destroy the system and let's build something. Let's build something that really makes you feel good about the kind of, about yourself as a sexual being and the kind of sex that you're having. And, and I think for women, again, like when I was growing up, I remember like so many, I love a teen movie. I think it's like my favorite genre is like a good teen comedy mm-hmm. and um, like also mm-hmm. in the theaters normally on opening day. But a lot of the teen movies that I watched growing up, like had like male masturbation at the center of it. Right. Like think of American pie, for example. Right. Like, have you seen that movie? He's fucking. Yeah. Pie. How many movies? <laughs> except for it's so porny. Like when you think about it now, it's like so porny the way everything, all the girls are shot and like the way it's filmed. Exactly. Or road. I remember there's one called Road Trip um, with uh, uh, Amy Smart with the girl. It was like the hot girl in it. But it's sort of all the they're all written from this male perspective where the girls just like show up and take their top off. So like I think. Olivia Wilde's book smart was really great. Um, Absolutely obsessed with that. We saw her about three times in the cinema. Yeah, Yeah, that's a great movie, but like that's coming with like, that came out last year, right? So that's 2019. It took until, or was it 2019 or 2018? I can't remember, but for for so long, we've kind of openly celebrated male masturbation and male sexuality and men discovering their, you know, it's always been the storylines always been about like the mom discovering the, the whatever pornography that, that her teenage son has, but it hasn't really been the storylines about women masturbating or women discovering their sexuality. So if you don't see that reflected, then you don't have, you know, if you don't see that reflected anywhere, then how are you supposed to like grow up knowing that it's, it's okay to touch yourself? In fact, it's fucking great. Yeah. And like you said, um, you have so many women that come to you who are like, I don't, I've never masturbated or even like I've never owned a sex toy or I've never watched porn or any of these kinds of things. And I've had similar conversations with a lot of my friends and it's, it's just, it's so common and because women never talk about it. Like, I think the conversation only came up with my friend the other day because I literally got sent a sex toy because of an article I'd written at work. And then she, and then I was like, I've never had a sex, I'd never had a vibrator before. And she was like, oh, me neither. And she's 32, I'm 29. And I was like, why is that? So I love buying people vibrators. Well, then um, I was like, I want to I- buy her a vibrator, <laughs> but then will she think I'm a creep? No, I think it's such a good thing. Like if you, I think we should always exist in a place of like generosity and abundance. And like, if I was able to give you something that helped you feel pleasure and helped you feel good about yourself, that would just make me happy. Mm. Let's pay it forward. Mm. You know, let's like, let's send each other, let's set, start a like buy a friend a vibrator program. Yes. Um, I've given it to so many people when they've gone through like something in their life, uh, like a death or divorce or like they don't have a relationship or whatever, or if they're in a relationship. I just think it's such a useful tool. I remember actually thinking when I was younger, I remember thinking, I've never had one, 
but like but the same thing i was like someone will buy me one like i thought for my 21st birthday someone would buy me one or something like that but then also i guess it's that thing of just doing it yourself like i don't know why i never just just went and bought one for myself i think i was too like ashamed or scared or didn't know what to do or where to start well exactly so like i love going into sex toy stores or i've gone to the avn convention in vegas which is like the big adult convention and i'm up in there i actually took a a boyfriend to the avn convention and award and he was so freaked out he was so freaked out because he was like this is not sexy and i was like no it's like a car show you know like sex is an industry like any other industry so i'm in there being like what's your top selling vibrator who's your market for this like asking all these real technical questions and he just like couldn't wrap his brain around that i wasn't you know super free yeah i guess it's so normal for me like i love going into sex toy stores and like talking to the people who work there because they really know their stuff kind of like if you went into whatever, Rick Owens in London or Erdem or Roxanda. And you would be like, how does this dress work? Or how do these pants work? Or like, for me, I don't, I won't always want something that like no one else has. So I'd be like, well, how many of this did you make? You know, or, or who else bought this or whatever, but they really know their stuff. So I feel like that's one thing we need to like, and it's, it's very sad with the pandemic that a lot of these like smaller mom and pop sex toy shops are closed and people are buying toys on Amazon where, you, you know, which is a whole other subject. So you can't, you can't get that kind of information, but that is like ground level. One of the best places to get information about like what, Hey, I'm really interested. I want to try anal or my partner wants to try anal, but I don't know where to start. So like, can you recommend a toy that I could start by myself to feel comfortable even having anything in my ass? You know what I mean? Like, and people feel like, oh my God, I can never have that conversation with someone. But like the people who work at sex toy stores are doing that all day long. It's interesting you said that about your boyfriend, because I know another anecdote of yours was about how you showed your like nine-year-old boyfriend Playboy and he actually was the one that got freaked out and not you. And I think there's this idea that men are just up for like the most sexualized, pornographic, any anything goes conversation about sex, which is kind of a myth once you start talking to men about sex often that's not the case for sure and I I also have to remind a lot of my heterosexual female friends even who are in long-term relationships that men have feelings um Mm. for for real for real that's like they face as just as many like we need to lift we really need to lift men up too we need to help them evolve into the fully divine masculine creatures that they are capable of being Um, because I don't think that this time is about, um, doing to men what has been done to us for centuries and centuries and centuries. Like we don't like, why do we want to create that same system where we're just going to be women on top and men below? That's, I don't think that's where we're aiming to be. So we have to create a lot of space for, for, um, for understanding that men are, men are, men are being conditioned with the sort of same things, but opposite that we are that like overt sexualization. Like the rise in erectile dysfunction and ejaculatory disorder with the rise of streaming porn is like directly correlated, by the way, like the kinds of pressures that, that men face. Like I get so many questions both personally and through the site about like, I can't get hard with a condom on. What do I do? And, you know, a lot of men are out there thinking that they're a failure or they're abnormal when in fact this is like so normal, so common. 
you know, we can't, we can't expect them to be like the energizer bunny, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. But this is the thing we wanted to talk about. This is, I guess, specifically about heterosexual relationships, but it seems to be a kind of routine thing where people are in a long-term monogamous relationship and then sex seems to kind of wane and then, or you just get into a routine of having kind of missionary sex twice a week for 10 minutes and it never gets so bad that you feel like you need an intervention, but maybe both parties aren't happy, but they're not communicating with each other. Um, do you have advice for like on both sides of the coin, men and women, how to like get out of that rut? So you, you hit on the key word there, communication. Um, because again, we start having sex without communicating about it, which is why I think it's really useful to look towards the like kink or fetish communities. Um, and, and the fact that there is so much communication about sex before it happens, there's so much like creation of the space of the playground and the boundaries before you play. So, so it like, I, I hear a lot, oh, but talking about it makes it unsexy and it takes the mystery away. For me personally, like the more that I understand about something and the safer I feel, the more I can make, let my freak flag fly, you know? So one thing I think that's really helpful is like, it's sex doesn't just happen. Like good sex doesn't just, ha it happens in the beginning of a relationship, but that period of like lust or that feeling of being in love, it like scientifically only lasts between one and four years. So depending on what end four of the spectrum. Four years is a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, just getting it is a years. long time. But that's like that feeling of being in love. Yeah. 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 Know? So after that, what happens is like is love. So that's a state of like limerence is what it's called. So, um, and again, like when a lot of times, like we can have the best sex with the people that are the worst for us. Um, yes. because that, <laughs> that oxytocin starts flowing and it's literally like your brain is on drugs. So a lot of people think it's weird to, for example, schedule sex to like, be like, you schedule your workout though, right? Like you make time in your day to like meditate or do your workout or do your skincare routine, whatever it is that you feel like is ritualistic and important to you and makes you feel good. So why wouldn't we do that with sex? Like it can be sending an iCal or Google appointment um, for making out like, and again, getting away from like goal-based sex and feeling more comfortable with saying um, to your partner. And again, this should happen outside of the bedroom. This should happen when you're fully clothed, when you're like sitting on the couch or out of dinner or wh whatever it is, not in the heat of the moment. Cause then we start to get insecure. Oh wait, my partner's not satisfied. What does that say? Oh, like, do they not like me? Is there something wrong with me or my body or the way I smell or taste or what I'm doing? No, it's just like variety, right? So we can talk in those, in those situations about like, well, I've always been curious about, about this. What do you think? Instead of making it so like a hard, like I have to do that. We, I have to do, I'm so unhappy. I have to do this. And if you won't do this, then I'm Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Weaving. Like, it's like, let's create like a real open dialogue about this and make that more um, like that once you start doing that and you like continue to do that, it just like, it's like the discipline of like first breaking the ice and then making it an open conversation. So you or your partner feels comfortable coming to the table and being like, I got super hot, like listening to this or watching this. Like, do you want to watch it with me or? Okay. So one thing I was going to ask you is this was, I remember this in a previous relationship so much so that I like called up a sex therapist and then ended up going to like a three day sex workshop class, which was amazing. But I, I, I was like, I have a low sex drive or a lower sex drive, but I don't know what I want. Like I was like, even if I talked to him, I wouldn't know what to say because I was like, I don't know. I don't have fetishes or I don't have these like odd things that get me off or like, I don't even know what it is that I'm looking for. What would you say to someone like that? I would say that you've got some homework to do by yourself first, mm-hmm. um, which is again, like sort of my, my, my sort of core philosophy on sex is that when you say you don't have any fetishes or you don't have any kinks, like it's kind of like that you know of yeah or that you're open to or you know like our we're as sexual beings we're constantly evolving from like when we come onto this planet until when we leave it so what turns you on right now at this moment in time is any different than what turns you on at like you know 39 or 44 or 66 or whatever it is so i would say like like look at it like a big toolbox and like go watch some porn, like watch, watch some porn, go online, like Google things, um, listen to erotica, uh, read articles on our site, the sex ed, or listen to podcasts and like keep a really open mind. Cause maybe, maybe you feel like the idea of bondage turns you off, but, um, maybe learn a little bit more about the things that freak you out the most, or like, look at it like this beautiful toolbox. Um, because once there are so many different, I like, I like to think that like, I will be into some really kinky shit when I'm in my sixties that I wouldn't even be thinking about now. And people are often surprised that like, I am super like 1950s. Like I'm more of like a 1950s housewife type in my personal life. That said, like if a partner came to me, I always like to say with partners, like, Hey, like I'm, but not, you know, if we're in a monogamous relationship, I always like to be like, hey, let's just check in because, you know, maybe in a few years, we, this might not work. Monogamy might not work for us. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you keep an open mind with yourself and be like, that's okay. The first thing is not to judge yourself. It's like totally okay that you don't know what you like or what turns you on. And again, the, the issue of desire or libido is also affected by so many things like what medication i would probably ask you like what medications you're taking um what birth control you're on like what kind of environmental stressors have you been under like imagine that like most of the world in this 
time period of 2020 that we're in is going to have like wildly fluctuating libidos from like zero sex drive at all to like horny as fuck. Even the thing you said about bondage is funny because I honestly think that with bondage and um, I don't know, what is it? Like consensual strangulation or any, any of those kinds of things. I think I was like so anti any of that because it felt really like anti-feminist, I think. Yeah, and we wanted to talk to you about porn in that context because I think women, uh, we can't generalize, but I think there are, are women who are woke and consider like some of the ethical implications of some internet porn and that puts them off, but obviously you can't write off the whole nature of what porn is because of how the industry operates. So like, can you talk a little bit about that kind of dilemma that women might find themselves in and then like the ethical porn industry? For sure. I mean, I recently found this article that I wrote when I was like 13 for like <laughs> class. And I was like, I was like super, I was like a super out of the womb feminist. My mom was on the board of Planned Parenthood and works with the UN on women's issues globally. So she's like very bra burning flag waving. And I was in this art, in this like essay I wrote for school, it was about this huge family fight over my mom discovering porn magazines under one of my brother's beds and like this huge fight and me like yelling at like my brother, how could he love this? It was objectifying women. And then like, <laughs> and then my dad, my mom, my, he went, stormed up to his room and then my dad went up to, my mom was like, you have to talk to him. You have to, to go talk to him. And then I listened in at the door and my dad was like saying to my brother, pretend we're having a conversation about it. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and you run straight to your mom and you're like, I've got the Guess tape. what they're saying. <laughs> and my dad literally said, they're just on a feminist rant. And you just have, to, like, I swear to God, it was, it was so funny, like reading that then and like thinking about now, like, like my relationship with the porn. Um, so yeah, I totally come from that same place as you. But when we think about, and so again, that's a system, that's a system that doesn't, that was built on certain ideology, which does not work for all of us. Right. So it's really great to see people like, um, Erica Lust, for example, who are more like ethical female erotica filmmakers. Um, that said, porn is, can be a really useful tool either in a relationship or solo if you're not quite sure like what you might be into. Um, just because it's showing you, it's depicting a lot of different sex acts, which you might find yourself turned on by. So that your fantasies are very different from who you are as a thinking person in the world. So you might have a fantasy about gang banging or strangulation or whatever it is. That's something that turns you on, but that doesn't necessarily mean you want to participate that in that in the real world. So first we have to accept that like our fantasies are okay. And it doesn't take away from us being like feminist or woke for you to have those fantasies. The second thing is that Porn is a useful tool if we have the uh, education and the psychological grounding to like look at that with. So one of the biggest things about strangulation and choking that really drives me crazy is that, first of all, if you're going to engage in that kind of play, you need to be facing your partner because you need to see, are, is their face turning blue? And for, before that even happens, there's so much conversation around consent with porn. They're actors on a screen. Again, this doesn't just happen. You don't just like have sex with someone that you, is a one night stand that you've never met before and start choking them. 
like without any discussion about this. So, you know, you know what I mean? Like, again, we need to look at it like fucking entertainment. It's a total fantasy. It's not real. Um, that said, like, there's a lot of uh, misnomers that I think, like, cultural misnomers that the, like, proliferation of streaming porn has, like, given to us where men feel this insane performance anxiety and a lot of women feel like they need to be, like, you know, choked, spit on, you know, degraded in all these different manners to, like, to have a fulfilling sexual experience. That's not necessarily right for you. Maybe it is, but in that situation, again, like, let's look to kink, let's look to fetish, let's look to these communities where people discuss all these things. This isn't just, like, some fucking teenage boy who doesn't know how to, like, doesn't know how to manage his cock and doesn't know how to give someone an orgasm, <laughs> you know, just going in there and mimicking something he's seen on screen. But that teenage boy becomes, like, a 35-year-old man without you know what I, like i see so many of them that have their whole sex sex education and whole idea about what women like from porn so those are the guys that i want to be like you need to change up your masturbation habits like you need to like look like physically even look at some magazines you know read some erotica you need to like turn off the screen and imagine yeah and masturbation you've talked about is like important for your physical and mental health so it's important to get like healthy masturbating habits can you talk a bit about like why it's so important to get on top of that yeah i mean i sometimes especially during this pandemic have actually had to be reminded me myself who's like out here preaching it um like have you masturbated today um you know are you like you need to give yourself an orgasm because that like simple act of release um God, it's like a real stress buster, first of all, um, you know, especially in these like times of heightened anxiety. Um, so it's kind of like I look at masturbation or orgasm like meditation and any of these or exercise and you, you got to be disciplined about it. You know, so right now I actually have an iCal reminder set for myself. <laughs> I do because pandemic masturbation for real but I actually have it called manifest and I have a little ocean emoji because I believe in um that you can use that power of orgasm for manifesting things that that you want or you know that you want to draw in um so that's how I have it for myself right now but I would love it if we taught people to self-satisfy and self-soothe in that way in a healthy way from like an early age yeah and for women to feel comfortable doing that like even during sex which we were talking about earlier like Mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of women wouldn't feel comfortable doing that during sex for sure i've definitely had um i always think it's super hot to know how someone else likes to touch themselves or get off because it really helps you as a partner on like know what they like um and i had one partner who was i always like to ask people tell me how you masturbate and i've had like one partner in particular who was so freaked out like who's so uncomfortable about that and i was like and so to me that tells me that like they've got a lot of shame and like that they've got a lot of like work to do and that just makes me feel 
it hurts my heart to see them like suffer in that way. Cause I'm like, God, if you could really like feel comfortable enough to show me like what you like and what you do on your own, then like we can, we can take this, you know, to, to level six instead of like level four, whatever <laughs> at. Um, so yeah, I think like, let's get comfortable with, with masturbating in front of, in front of the people that we want to be, have sex with for sure. It's hot. And also you said in the past that learning how to meditate made you have really good sex. Um, and I, at my sex workshop, they made us all meditate. Could you explain why you think this is? Um, because I think like the fundamental philosophy of the sex ed and, and myself is linking consciousness with health, with, with health, with sexuality. So it's looking at the sexual experience as holistic. You're real, it's a real mind body experience. So being able to, a lot of times, I think for women, especially, it's really hard to get out of our heads when we're having sex. Like we're, we're, we're really thinking a lot and we're not in this lower part of our body. But yet when we're doing yoga or meditation, meditating, we're thinking a lot about breath. We're thinking a lot about like, for example, one tool that's really useful when you're spun out is just literally to like take your shoes off and put both your feet on the floor and just feel your feet on the floor. Something really, really simple. So having that, having that tool at your disposal to meditate, to feel your breath, to feel your genitals, uh, takes you out of here and like down into here and brings more energy and awareness into, you know, another new age idea, your lower chakras or your, your sacral chakra and brings you more into, yeah, the power of your fucking pussy. Um, and I like, you know, and I think that a lot of people feel that way. I think that's again, why a lot of, I think that why like visual and audio porn is doing so well right now for, for women is because we are more like up here. You know, we don't have the same arousal, like chemical arousal patterns that men do. So you have written a book and directed a film, both called Pretty Things, which are about the kind of lost art of burlesque. And in your research for both of those things, you've talked about how it very much became about exploring the line between exploitation and empowerment. And we wanted to talk to you about that because there has been an essay this week by Emily Ratajkowski about the modeling industry and about how she grapples with that same sort of question. So we wanted to ask what you thought about that. Um, in that documentary I made, I started making that when I was like 17 and photographing myself in burlesque costumes that I found at the flea market in New York city, going to art school. And, uh, again, I was coming from this real like feminist sort of ideology but then there was this power that these women had, these old black and white photographs I was looking at that felt so like, I was like, I want to be like that. I want to have that power. And, and how can I remember when I started writing to them and meeting them, I'd had all these real lessons on sex and sexuality from these 80 year old women. So by the time I started meeting them, I was like 18, 19. And I was actually, I got married super young. So I was in a long-term monogamous relationship from 18 to 32 with my husband. So, but I was having this kind of sexual awakening through these 80 year old women who were saying to me, your sexuality is an asset. Like, like it or not, the way the world operates is like, you can be in a business meeting and have, you know, be like wearing some 
turtleneck and being like, I just want them to respect me for my brains. But they're still going to be thinking about your tits. They're still going to be conscious. So it was kind of like this idea, like, how do you, how do you own that? How do we, how do we take back the power of some, what someone else projects upon to us, what society projects upon to us? And how do we, how do we take that back for ourselves? You know, I, I read her essay. I thought it was really, was really interesting. Um, and I'm kind of glad that she took on Richard Prince, actually. A lot of people wouldn't have done that because he's got so much, um, respect in the art world, but like people don't ask those questions. People don't. And, and actually she's not the only person who's had a problem with him, you know, doing those Instagram portraits. Like a lot of women have, have had that problem, have had, have had that issue. But it's like, again, these are systems that have to be questioned and destroyed. And we're really seeing that happen in this time all over the place. Like, is this right? Is this working for me? So yeah, it is a, it's a, it's an interesting line. Like, uh, one of my best friends is Dita Von Teese, who's a big burlesque stripper. And, you know, she's got that really empowered image on stage. And then she also has to deal with projections on herself. It's so, it's so fascinating, but I like, I like industries where you're confronting that head on. Like, why can't, a huge adult star also be a mom. Like why is sex this like separate thing that immediately, it's so old fashioned to be like virgin or whore. You know, we don't, we don't put these kinds of like black and white things on men. So this is a gray area, sex. It's just gonna, it's always going to be, or like a rainbow colored area. You just mentioned Dita Von and she said that um, when you were ready to have an active sex life again, that you should go out and buy a huge box of condoms as a way of telling the universe to send them along, and it worked. I am recently single out of a long-term relationship, um, so we wanted to know what your advice is for... Recently single and then a global pandemic happened, so she's just had like a rough run of luck. So we're, we're opening back up. Well, literally, yeah. <laughs> literally, yeah. Yeah. What is your advice for Izzy getting back in the um the dating game? Well, I think you gotta first like ask yourself a lot of questions about what you want. Like, are you wanting to? I do want another long term partner right now. Do you want to get to know yourself sexually? Do you want to be like obviously casual dating in a global pandemic is like a different story. But in a way, it does teach us how to be more discerning towards people and how to have, how to again, have those conversations around like COVID communication and consent is something I'm really interested in talking about because it sort of forces these conversations that have been happening in the LGBTQ plus kink and fetish community for like decades for vanilla straight community to take that on like what's your status have you been tested like are you you know what I mean? yeah 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 you really need to know like what people are doing like it's like you can't take those risks right now um so i would like ask yourself all those questions first before you like um because again like at that time when she told me that advice I was recently out of that 13 year relationship and I didn't know what the fuck I wanted, except that I wanted to have sex with different people. Um, I was not ready to like jump into another relationship. So it's kind of like, you gotta be careful with what you ask the universe 
And you also have to say for the highest good, because like at that time, I remember we made vision boards that year because we were both going, she, she had gotten a divorce like just a year before me. So we we're kind of both in that process. And we made these vision boards and I had all these like, like, um, you know, cute indie hipster dudes on it. <laughs> and then literally, yeah, I got it. I got the box of condoms and I got, like, I got so many. Oh my God, I need to make a vision board. But at that time, like, looking back in retrospect, I was like, not necessarily, it wasn't all that satisfying. It didn't, you know, so it depends on what you want. If that's what you want, then like you can again use all these things like use your orgasm, use a, do a vision board, do all these things to manifest what you want, but get really clear on what you want first. Oh, I've written the most boring like checklist ever. What is your <laughs> that's just probably like it's probably like the 40-year-old men we keep passing on the fucking street. And I'm like, no. It's like, like must be adventurous. I'm like, no, I'm like, is he a feminist? Does he rah-rah? And then I'm like, God, what about hot hipster guy? Yeah. We need to make it more visual. Well, okay, yeah. so my list, you would be you would laugh so hard. Like I would always keep two lists and then I would put them behind um like I would keep one, like I, I'll either keep a copy and burn a copy or I'll put one like behind whatever hangs over your bed. Like just, if you mm-hmm. know, oh my God, there's practical magic like tonight. tonight. I love practical magic. And Sandra Bullock. So imagine like one of these photographs, like I would literally fold up that list and like tape it behind, behind one. So it was just like mm-hmm. over my head. But the list that I had back then, oh my God, it was like stoner or approves of weed. Um, <laughs> understand black flag tattoo yeah, understands Hollywood, but isn't like obsessed by it. Like it was all these things, but like looking back, I'm like, no, it's like totally not what I want. You know, it's not, those aren't the really real things that I want. So like really depends on if you're looking for like a casual sort of surface level, like fling, not taking seriously or like something deeper because those qualities are going to be really different. And you got to be clear. You have to be clear on what you want instead of being like, well, I just don't want to be alone. So I just want anything. I just want anything because yeah. mm-hmm. you'll get anything. You will. Cut to us in two hours time dancing around with like Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman yes. doing Impractical Magic. Yeah, with a like, list Cauldron. this long pinned, pinned <laughs> Burning. in his bed. They, they literally wrote a list and then they burnt it, didn't they? Yeah, but remember Nicole Kidman was manifesting all these like really awful well, guys. They ended up with like a dead guy, yeah. The guy like trying to murder them. So let's not do that. Okay. We'll yeah. finesse the list. You got to really finesse the list. Like and almost, you know what I like to do is think about how do you want to feel? Like what does that feel like to you? What does that mm, feel? Yeah, I've got like... So mine, mine, I think right now is a bit too practical and a bit too boring for me because it's like, it's like, do they, uh, are they engaged in, do we have engaging conversations? Are they a feminist? Do they have the same values as me? Do like, they make me feel the best, but then I'm like, That's not what about great. some fun and I'm like, I want some, I don't know. Do they throw me against the wall yeah, you need and strangle me? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but I would say, like, the, the practical, what you think is practical or boring, like, again, the, like, safer that you feel and the better that you feel, like, because you don't want some guy who's just going to throw you against the wall and strangle you, and they're, like, fucking, <laughs> like, asshole who's got, like, ten other women on speed dial and, yeah. you know, mm. like, fuck boy, unless you want a fuck boy. 
So like, you know, we didn't have the fuckboy term didn't exist when when like back then when Dita and I were making these vision boards, which was like in two thousand nine. Um, we didn't. But there were. We around. interviewed. <laughs> we interviewed this amazing comedian called Mary Beth Barone, and she has a stand up um set that's like what is it called like the fuckboy rehabilitation center where she gets like fuck boys in like remission and gets them on stage to talk about their habits and tries to reform them and we asked her we're like a fuck boy is a new phenomenon or if we just got the vocabulary for it now and she was like i think we just have the vocab i think there's always been (laughs) the fuck boy that always existed definitely always been the fuck boy for sure we just didn't know what they were called back then like the word change the 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 language changes around sex so quickly like as you know and people get very angry if like you don't have the lingo um and you're not keeping up with it but yeah this the fuckboy phenomenon is like so be clear that you don't want to fuck boy unless you're like i just want to fuck boy because sometimes in a long-term relationship you need a sorbet palate cleanser between courses Mm, there's something to think about thank you so much for your time we will let you go thank you sorry we've taken much longer than we intended to we really love talking to you i love talking to you guys too and have fun in london catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.